in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. UNLV hosts North Texas on Saturday, a noon start. You can watch it one of two places, either online on the Mountain West Network or if you have Cox Cable. It's available on Fox 5's new channel, the Silver Sportsnet uh, Network. Um, I do not have Cox. Would not be watching that on that channel. So Mountain West Network. Don't have that. Well, I'll be there. Cox. So Me too. Uh-huh. Uh, will Doug Brumfield bounce back? Great game one against Idaho yeah. State. Struggled against Cal. Where where does he end up in this game? Is he somewhere in between? I think he's in between. Two? I think he's in between, which would be probably good enough to win the game. Probably, especially. Okay, is their defense good? I asked you this about the AFC West teams. UNLV right now, and we're two games in. They played an FCS team that's horrible, but UNLV right now is third in the Mountain West in points per game allowed. They're fourth in the conference in yards per game allowed. Like, is this defense okay, or are we going to look back and just say, "Oh, Cal and Idaho State suck"? I'm going to say the latter. Okay. I. What okay. do you think? I believe I, at the end of the year, we're going to look back and Idaho State's going to be one of the worst FCS teams in the country. Right. I believe we're going to look back at the end of the year and Cal is going to be one of the bottom two or three teams in the Pac-12. In the Pac-12. Yes. I do believe those teams are bad. But I do think the UNLV defense is better. They're, I don't think they're going to finish the year top four in points allowed and yards allowed. Right. They're still going to be bottom half. But I do think we might be looking at like the seventh or eighth best defense in the conference instead of the 11th or 12th, which is what they basically are every single year. I do think this defense is better. It's not a good defense, but I do think it's better than we've seen in a long time, right? I mean, none of Tony Sanchez's defense were were good, and Arroyo hasn't had one in two years. You know what would make him really good? That guy from Jacoby Michigan Wyndham. State. Because <laughs> that guy's now a top five NFL draft pick. Pro football focus. <laughs> was like the highest graded power five defensive player after three weeks, <laughs> Jacoby Wyndham. Like, ah, UNLV had that, that guy. That guy would have been really good. <laughs> would have been the best player on the team, best player yes, in the conference. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so this spread on this game is UNLV's favored by two and a half. Presumably, this is going to be a close game. Presumably, this is a game that comes down to the fourth quarter. Does UNLV finally, finally win a close win. So game it's, under Arroyo? So it's seven straight? Uh, 0 and 6, six last, last year. year. And one, yep. So seven, so seven straight. They are 0 and 7 under Arroyo in one possession. They're not games. yet flirting with Scotty Frost. No, they they're are not, not yet flirting <laughs> with that. Scott Frost, 5 and 22 overall, and I think it was 10 or 11 straight in one, losses one in one score, score games. games before he got fired. Well, I think they win the game. I think it's close. So I think they All break right. the streak. Hot take. Hot take. They have to eventually. Like, they they have to. uh, There's going to be a close game where even if UNLV doesn't get better, the other team screws up. There's going to be a close game where, like, the other team's punter drops the ball in the end zone, right? And you get a free two points, and that's what. Like, it's got to happen eventually. If you keep playing close games. You're going to win one. Even if you don't do anything good, you're going to win one eventually because they're going to screw up. But so far... UNLV is usually the one making some sort of mistake in the final five minutes that loses them the game. Does this feel like the game where they get up like 21 to nothing and then slowly like don't score for the rest of the game? And it's like they won by one because they've shanked a, they, the other team shanked a field goal in the final minute. But that's, yeah, that would give them the close win. It's That'd be 19 perfect. to 20. That'd be perfect. That'd be exactly what they need to do. And, and, 
I don't know. Should I? Maybe I'll give you a prediction later in the show because I am not convinced one way or the other. Right, I'm going 1920 UNLV. <laughs> Those are great. That's that's another great question. A jersey worn by Michael Jordan in Game One of the 1998 NBA Finals sold for 10.1 million dollars. It is the most ever paid for an item of sports memorabilia. The previous high was 9.28. Paid for a soccer jersey worn by Diego Maradona in the 1986 World Cup. I will give you this hot take, Ed. If you listened to the show yesterday, you know how I feel about Devontae Adams spending half a million on a suite. This is significantly worse than spending yes. half a million on a suite for your grandmother and whoever else in your I family just, is going to be there. I just uh, always go to my idea of if I had that much discretionary income, would I ever spend it on that? And the answer is a definite no. No, I... I would never. I, I could have it. I could be a billionaire. Yeah. And I would not spend ten million dollars on a jersey. Okay, but you also have to realize probably the guy that had it probably is also already a millionaire. So this is just millionaires sort of just like, <laughs> all right, I'll trade you my jersey for like I don't know ten million dollars. Does that sound good? And it's like, all right, cool. We're both still millionaires. Sweet. Like, but, what do you do with it? You wash mm -hmm. it and then wear it. <laughs> God, I think be you great. And and it's signed, and you wash it, and yes. his, his his signature wears off. Oh, oh. no, if it's, it's Sharpie. It just fades a little. Yeah, like, You put it in a glass case, you, you hang, hang it on it the up. wall, and when people come over to the house, you say, there's Michael Jordan's jersey. What else yeah. would you do? It's so stupid. You glass and case it. Yeah, it's so stupid. No, what you Well, like, yeah, of course. Like, I get having, like, whatever, decorations on the wall of whatever the hell you want to put up there, but $10 million for just a jersey that was, well, I don't know. I feel like I feel like... You should just put $10 million in cash in a frame and hang it on your wall. Okay. I, if I walked into somebody's house and they were like, oh, here's Michael Jordan's game one jersey. I'd be like, oh, that's kind of cool. If they were like, here's $10 million in cash because I have that much to burn. <laughs> I'd be like, you're insane. <laughs> but that's, 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 that that's cool. kind of cool. I See, okay. And my first thoughts are what you do is you put it in the glass case and you immediately call one of the billionaires who are based in Chicago. Go, hey, I got a business proposition. Why don't you come over to my house for the weekend? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if this business thing goes through, I can throw that right in for you. Just, you know. Next question. Nebraska host Oklahoma. 9 a.m. start here. Uh, this is the first game Nebraska's playing since firing Scott Frost. I believe there are only two possible outcomes. Either one, Nebraska loses by 40 because they fired Scott Frost and he had an amazing ability to keep them in every single game. Or two, Nebraska wins by like three points. Oh, because... I thought you were going to say it was going to be another close loss. No, That's what I no, thought no, no. Would... Scott Frost is gone. So it's either got to be blowout loss or they finally win a close game because okay. Scott Frost is gone. So if I have to pick one, I'll say they win only because... Oh, that'd be great. Because usually, at least for the first game, <laughs> you get some kind of motivated kids to play for the new coach and they probably overplay their heads. I, can... I don't think they're winning the game. But you're telling me I have to pick one? I'll I'll take the close win. I think it's probably going to be a close loss. Do you know how funny it would be if Nebraska won one by like two? Their, their last eight games of the year, and all of them by one possession. God, it'd be the funniest thing ever. It'd just be like, okay, so Scott Frost somehow had an ability to cost his team four to seven points every <laughs> single week. So like, like this team could have been in the national championship, but Scott Frost somehow was worth negative four points every week. Caesar Sportsbook literally hires Scott Frost, and it's just for their in-game. They're like, and what would you do here? You would do that? All right, lower the lines. Get the lines down.
So I I hope I really hope Nebraska upsets Oklahoma and it's like a three or four point win. Be great. Great question. Yeah, Thank question. you. Two Mountain West teams take on Pac-12 teams this week. San Diego State plays at Utah. Fresno State plays at USC. Unfortunately for the Mountain West, it might be the two best teams in the Pac-12. Do either one of those teams keep it close? Are we looking at like another bad week for this conference? Well, Fresno State has a lot better chance because I just don't think San Diego State's very good and Utah is going to have some little revenge. They lost to San Diego State. so And it's in Salt Lake City. That thing could get ugly pretty fast. Fresno State, I tell you what, I watched a lot of the USC-Stanford game last week. You can score in USC. Now, they're going to probably get 42. But Fresno State, with that quarterback, could score. Like, it could be like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 42-24, something like that. So I think they keep it more respectable. But I think San Diego State could just get blown out. All right. So we've got, in the Mountain West, a couple of FCS games. Boise State and Hawaii play FCS teams. Hawaii will probably lose um, because I can't imagine them doing anything well. Uh, We have one conference game, Air Force and Wyoming. Outside of that... Colorado State's uh, 17-point underdog at Washington State. Nevada is a 23-and-a-half-point underdog at Iowa. New Mexico is a home underdog to UTEP by 2-and-a-half. Utah is favored by 21 over San Diego State. USC by 12-and-a-half over Fresno State. The only Mountain West team to be favored that's not playing another Mountain Air West Force? team is UNLV. Air Force is playing a, is playing Wyoming, so somebody has to be favored for okay. the Mountain West. But the only Mountain West team favored in a non-conference game is UNLV this weekend. This could be a terrible week for the Mountain West. Like, they might lose five games by, like, I don't, four touchdowns. I mean, have you seen the scores up till now? Yeah, it's been bad. No, I'm saying it's, it's going to be bad. bad again. So you could have, like, four losses by, like, four touchdowns or more. Hawaii could lose to an FCS team. Was it and, Duquesne? Yeah, and UNLV, I mean... They're favored, but UNLV could lose to North Texas as well. Like, you could be walking out of this with two wins, one a conference game, and one Boise State over an FCS opponent, and like five blowouts. Yeah. this We, we might be in here on Monday being like, this conference sucks. Well, if you've seen the score so far, you don't think it's a good conference, no. which is why. I mean, I mean, the commissioner literally just went, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, it, it's, I, you're going to think I'm crazy. But the scores I've seen so far have me flirting with increasing my number from five to six. You have to get a win this week if you're for you to do that. Okay, if let's say they North let's Texas, say they win. I can go from five to six. Yeah, if they lose to North Texas, you can't come in here Monday. Even if they lose by like, even if they play well, lose by one or whatever. No, because this is one they have to win. Right. This yes. is a game you yeah. look at and say if you're going to a bowl. If game, you're going to a bowl game, you have to beat North Texas. Yeah. So if they come in, yeah, I if they come in and if they beat North this Texas, this league is not very good. Yeah, I I'd have no problem with you saying I won't agree with you, but I'd have no problem with you coming in saying they're they're getting a six and going to a bowl game. I don't think that'd be a piping hot take, even though I wouldn't agree with it. That's a great great question. The Cowboys host the Bengals. Um, how's Dallas going to look without Dash oh. Prescott? Well, how do they look with him? That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really fair. Three points? So better? Are you are you saying they're going to look better? No. Oh. I think they get zero so, instead of three. <laughs> my favorite thing is that That's currently smart. their depth chart lists Cooper Rush is the starter. Dak Prescott is the backup. Is the backup? And no one else, well, even though Will Greer's on their practice squad, and there's rumors that they might want to bring back Ben DiNucci. Oh, that guy. Oh. Well, they're not putting Prescott on IR, so he's got to still be on the depth chart. He was at practice yesterday helping... Uh, Helping Cooper and Will Greer. Helping them how? 
But Will Greer this hasn't been elevated. There. You got to throw the other place. Throw it to C.D. Lamb. Yeah. That guy's good. It'll C.D. Lamb, who has frying pans for hands. Are are the Cowboys going to come out and try to run the ball forty five times? I would love that. I would too. I've got Zeke. Like, are they going to walk out and say, "Here's a Zeke"? All right, we're giving it. Bring back Ezekiel Elliott. This guy's going to have a monster two weeks or however long they think Dak is out for. I I don't know what I mean, you do because I don't like the passing game. C.D. Lamb's good outside of that. You I don't have even to throw the ball at some point in the league. I, I don't even know who the other guys are that they have to throw to. So, to me, even though I would love to see a team pass every down as opposed to run every down, I think if you're the Broncos, you come out and you run it. Or the Broncos. If you're the Cowboys, Cowboys. you come out and you run it. And hope. Like, it's third and seven. Here you go, Zeke. Pick up the first <laughs> he down might for pick it. it up. Right. I've, I've, in all seriousness, I'm like, they might have a better shot at getting the first down that way. Then, then having Cooper, Cooper Rush, Rush throwing the ball. Throw to anybody. I just love that if, it, as of today, if Cooper Rush gets injured in the first quarter of that game, they don't have anyone on the team who can actively play quarterback. No, no. Wildcat with CeeDee Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott, and Tony Pollard. Just those three in the backfield, triple option. I think that might be a better plan be. than starting. It might be. Coming up next, we'll jump into some Golden Knights. I think we're going to watch and see uh, see how it unfolds. We, uh, you know, we, we like Laurent Versois. I thought he played a lot of really good goal for us last year. I think that uh, Logan Thompson is uh, is a really talented goaltender, a guy that we're uh, excited about. And I think Aiden Hill, um, we like Aiden Hill. So I think that that uh, you know gives us uh, more confidence in the position that uh, that we're going to have people emerge, and that'll be. You know, one of the things that we watch play out, they're all going to get an opportunity to make first impressions on our uh, goaltending coach, Sean Burke, uh, you know, our head coach, uh, Bruce Cassidy. So that'll be, you know, that'll be a really interesting uh, position to monitor for, uh, for our staff. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. What do you think Bill Foley cares more about? The Golden Knights... <laughs> Or a Premier League team that he is trying to buy. Is this because he couldn't get MLS done in Las Vegas? So now he's like, you know what? I'm just going to go to the best league. So Heck with you guys. The reporting uh, from Sky Sports in over in England, uh, Bill Foley is in talks to buy Bournemouth, which is a Premier League team. They're sort of bottom tier Premier League team. They get relegated on a regular basis, get promoted on a regular. They can sort of waffle between the two uh, premier league and the second division there. Um, the asking price is $172 million. That doesn't seem like a lot. Doesn't, for, I was going to say, isn't that like a transfer fee yeah. for Jimmy uh, Smith? I mean, <laughs> that's, that's like, that doesn't seem like a lot for me. I thought you were going to say like for a premier league team, I thought you're gonna say like a billion dollars. Yeah. So it's not, obviously it's not, you know, Chelsea, Man United, right, right. Arsenal. Like, it's not one of the best but teams still. in the Premier League. But it is, still at the moment, a Premier League team. And I think part of the... The only thing I can think that why they would only be $172 million is because they are they get relegated. And when you go down to the, the championship, which is the second division, you make significantly less money. Because the mm-hmm. television deal in the Premier League is unreal. And you make so much more money just being in the Premier League. So I'm guessing that's why, but like Chelsea just sold for five billion, right? And again, they're not Chelsea, but you yeah. would think they'd be relatively close, 
right? A lot closer than 172 million. So I like when I saw the number, I was like, why hasn't Bill Foley bought a soccer team already? What's he been doing if he's got 172 million? Like he paid what 550 for the Golden Knights? Well, we know he's got 172 million. Yeah, well, no, he, he paid 500 million yeah. for, for for the, the Golden, Golden Knights. Knights. And this again, maybe it's not better because they might get relegated. But it just seems like, man, what's he been doing all this time? He could have bought a Premier League team a long time ago. He could have bought some lower division teams. Ryan Reynolds paid $2 million for his team. That team's like in the eighth division. I know. I'm That's saying like, that Bill Foley could be like, I own the entirety of anything League 3 <laughs> and below. Uh, that Wrexham is the team that was uh, who, who Ryan Reynolds bought. They're not even on, like, they can't even stream their games outside of England. Oh, I've seen the tweets. Yeah, like, they're, like, they're so far down, it's like, no, we don't even stream the game, uh, games, and Ryan Reynolds is pissed. Here's my question, though, about Bill Foley as a soccer owner. We talked a lot about what he does in hockey and how it's like, yeah, he's fine with spending to the cap and past the cap with long-term IR and everything. How much money is he going to put into the soccer team? Because in soccer, you can... Almost spend as much as you want. There's some like financial rules that the Premier League has in place to try to prevent just unlimited spending, but you can get around them for the most part. He can kind of spend however much he wants on this team. And I'm curious, is he going to just unlimited well, money? Let's make Bournemouth a Premier League power. As we know with the Golden Knights, even though they haven't won a cup, he was he's highly, highly competitive. And he'll spend a lot of money, like you said. So I would think his mindset wouldn't change just because it's a different sport. If he's going to spend $170 million to buy the team, I would think he's going to spend money on players or whatever it takes to try to be a good team. I don't think he does anything in his portfolio, whether it's the wineries, whether it's the restaurants, whether it's Fidelity, whether it's the Knights, where he doesn't want to be the best. So I think he'll go in and spend money. So the reason I asked you that is the top teams in the Premier League spend a bunch of money, outspend just about everybody else. Not even the amount of money that... Uh, Man City and Arsenal spend on players is unbelievably more than what Bournemouth has ever done. So he's got a large gap to catch up to the top six. But I ask about like the whole unlimited money. How much is he willing to spend? Newcastle United. Uh, they're owned by Saudi Arabia. The people that put set up the live tour own Newcastle United. And they have spent a boatload of money at Newcastle more than Newcastle's ever spent and there's a chance Newcastle who actually might have unlimited money is going to be one of the better teams in the Premier League at some point in the next 10 years if they continue spending this much money can fully compete with that like that's that's the question this isn't like oh he's got we know he's got a lot of money we know he'll probably put more money into it than whoever the current owner is but can he compete with that because if he's going to have a legitimate like Bournemouth becomes a Premier League contender. That's what he's got to do. He's got to do what Saudi Arabia is doing with yeah. the Live Tour. I think Bill's got a nice chunk of change. I'm not going to say he's got Saudi Arabia. Money. He doesn't have right. murder money, right? So that's the thing. Like, I'm sure he's going to put more into it. It's just a matter of like, I think the ceiling on Bournemouth with Bill Foley is going to be, hey, you're like the 11th best team in the Premier League, which is better than Bournemouth. Is well, being moment. relegated and, and right. promoted and relegated and promoted right. all the time. But I have to imagine Bill Foley buying this team thinks I'm going to make this team the best team right. in the Premier League. Or Oh, I don't think he buys it unless he has those thoughts. Right, but I just don't know that that's possible. Realistic. Yeah. Because... So do you think he's just going in 
not educated on how this stuff works? Or no, he doesn't just, seem like a person who would not do his homework. You can win without spending the most money as well, right? You can be the eighth highest spending team and still win if you do it well, right? So he doesn't have to walk in and be like, I'm going to outspend Saudi Arabia, but he's going to have to spend a lot. And I imagine he's like, well, I can hire the right people. We can do this well and we can contend and win even without outspending Saudi Arabia would be my guess. I also think there's a level of this that it's a toy. Like he's buying it because yeah. he it's a toy. He wants to enjoy being the owner of a sports team. It, like that's what he's got with the Golden Knights here. So that's a part of it too. Is it's like uh, So does this take his uh focus off the uh, Golden Knights? If it were me, I would. <laughs> I'd be Well, you know everyone everyone doesn't want the Golden Knights to win and everyone thinks they stink and yeah, what, yeah. What's the what's the uh, what's the phrase over there now they're using? Doubt. Doubt. Everyone has doubt about them. Oh, except the people who make the lines who know more than anyone. <laughs> uh, the Golden uh, the Bournemouth is actually the Bill Foley owned team that people doubt, although he doesn't own them quite yet. Like of all of the teams he owns, the Golden Knights are actually pretty good in their league. Bournemouth's yeah. not any good. This this is the team that can be talking about. Ah, nobody believes in us. You know, I was over at the pub, and everyone's <laughs> telling me you guys suck. You know, I was over the I was over in London, and you know that's all they said to me in, during my during my vacation. So Bill Foley might be the owner of a Premier League team, uh, Bournemouth. Let's see if he actually buys him for one seventy two. Again, that's he paid five fifty for the Golden Knights. So this seems like. Of course, Bill Foley is going to buy a Premier League team for $172 million, right? It just seems like an obvious thing. I mean, that totally makes sense. But my question is, what small town soccer team is he going to take the GM and the broadcast crew? Because basically, the Golden Knights are the Brandon Wheat Kings, oh, that's the NHL yeah. edition. He, If you had a loose association with the Brandon Wheat Kings, you probably have a job in, in the Golden Knights organization. What soccer team? team like low level soccer team are they going to be like yeah everyone who played for the lights Macclesfield uh he's got to uh it, it depends on who he hires because the whole Brandon Wheat Kings thing is not a Foley thing that's a no I thing so it depends on who he hires as like his technical director or whatever position they want to call it over there wherever that guy came from oh they're about to all come up to Bournemouth at the same time be like yep yeah, don't worry Bill this is how we do it here <laughs> I this really, what's good. I really hope that he like does the thing where he just like finds a random American and he's like, "Yeah, you're in charge." Yeah, that's, that's what you got to do. He's gonna hire. He, you know, it would be funny. He probably like watched Ted Lasso. That's what I was hoping. You would he say. probably watched Ted Lasso and was like, "You know what? They I got they got this. relegated in the first season and they came back." <laughs> All right, coming up next, spoilers. Andy Yamashita joins us live from Connecticut. So the Aces will have the final possession more than likely of this game with 20 seconds to go. And it looks like Sidney Colson is just going to dribble it up. The Aces aren't even going to take a shot. And they are going to lose this game by a wide margin. Nearly 30 points. And that does not reflect how competitive and how close this game was. So the horn sounds and the las vegas aces lose to the connecticut sun on the sun's home floor here at the mohegan sun casino by a final score of 105 to 76. back to the press box summer edition i think that was an accurate representation of the game maybe they should have lost by 20 and not 29 but they got beat down yesterday yeah they got beat down uh joining us now from the review journal in connecticut 
Andy Yamashita. Good morning, Andy. How Andy? are you today? Good to talk to you guys. Uh, I'm doing good. Can you, what's your best explanation for how the Aces lost by 29 points yesterday? Well, I kind of look at it like, um, you know, the Sun needed to kind of regress to the mean. They missed a lot of shots in the first two games, and they made a lot of shots in game three. I think it's kind of as simple as that. Defensively, uh, hadn't been that poorly in a while. Uh, kind of the Suns beat him up inside. Were you surprised? I know Sam wrote about this this morning. Look, I mean, Connecticut was going to be the more desperate team. I don't know how much energy you saw from the Aces for a lot of that game. Yeah, you could definitely tell which team had his back against the wall. I think it was a good wake-up call for the Aces that, you know, it's going to take uh, it's going to take a little bit more effort to put the Sun away and, you know, this is still a good Sun team. I don't think they've lost three games in a row all season. So there were a lot of signs that this was going to be a tough closeout. And obviously they didn't go away against Chicago. They're not going to go away against Las Vegas. And maybe they need a little bit of a reminder about that. Um, Chelsea Gray got trapped. She saw some hard hedges off of ball screens. It was probably the most aggressive anybody's played her off of ball screens in the postseason. Um, does that Change, does the Aces change how they attack that? Do you think there's a path for them to beat that type of defense from Connecticut when Chelsea Gray comes off the of ball screens? Yeah, you know, it was interesting because, you know, Becky Hammond said, you know, the hard hedge and everything that, that Connecticut did, nothing was really new. It was just that Connecticut was more committed, was doing it harder, and was fighting for every loose ball and for every little physical edge they could get, which, you know, maybe they didn't do or that the Aces did a better job of in the first two games. So she didn't feel like tactically there was a lot of adjustments to be made. She really said that it came down to just, you know, desire and and want and, you know, whether that's the Aces making better decisions on the trap, getting Chelsea more help. Obviously, the uh, Connecticut switched and had to want a bonner on her for most of the game, which is a little bit of a mix-up, which is kind of why Jack Young had all those looks from three, which she made five threes, which is the most she made all season. But they didn't get that supplementary uh, supplementary scoring the way they needed it. Chelsea only took seven shots. So it'll definitely be something to keep an eye on. But Becky, at least during the post-game press conference, didn't seem particularly worried about it. Dewan Bonner comes back with 18-5 in the first two games combined. Was it more... Her just being more aggressive, was it something they didn't do well enough of her against her? Because I think if she keeps scoring and they keep scoring, this this thing could be pushed to five. I think she was definitely hunting her spots more and trying to find ways to make an impact. She was doing had she had a lot of back cuts, was moving off the ball a lot better than I think she was in the first two games. But again, I think it was also a bit of regression to the mean. She was one of nine in both of the first two games, so two of 18 in the first two. She was inevitably not going to score or be held to probably even single figures in this game, no matter what. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see if she can keep that up, though. I think in that first half, or first quarter, Connecticut missed its first two shots and then went like 14 of 15 from the field. I don't think they're going to do that again. So it'll be up to the Aces to make sure that, you know, they don't just get blitzed and they don't just fold when they get punched in the face in, the, in game four. So if Becky Hammond believes it was about effort and the team that was more desperate, 
Uh, does that change for a game four? Because Connecticut's still the one at home and facing elimination, not the Aces. Yeah, I think that's interesting because I think Connecticut, yeah, like you said, will still be desperate and they still know that they're trying to fight off elimination. I think maybe the Aces will just have a bit of a reminder about that, though. And, I mean, it's clear that that's what they need. You know, Asia Wilson said it after the game, too, that, you know, that they were just out-hustled. And and maybe for the Aces, it's a reminder about what what they need to do because closing out teams is hard. You know, they they got – they kind of took all the wind out of Seattle's sails with the way they won game three. So that closeout maybe wasn't as hard as, as they thought it would be. But Connecticut is a different, a very different team, and, and they're very resilient, and they're not going to go away. They proved that against Chicago again, especially with the way they beat Chicago. So it'll be it'll be interesting for sure. I, I definitely think they need to close it out in, in four, though. I don't think they want to go back to Vegas. Well, if they come back to Vegas, they won't be at Michelob Ultra Arena. They'll be at the MGM Grand. Um, that's yeah. a little weird. Do you have any idea why that's the case? Uh, scheduling. There was a pre-scheduled show, I believe, at Michelob Ultra Arena. Do you know what it is? Because, like, the, the, the website for Michelob Ultra Arena, they don't have an actual, like, concert or event listed that night. I'm, I've been assuming it's, like, some weird private event that some company booked it. I, I'm not sure. I, I don't have the specific details, but that's what I heard. Uh, how did you get to Connecticut? I'm curious how the travel was, because this is one of the venues that uh, WNBA teams have a hard time getting to flying commercial during the season. For sure, yeah. Uncusville or the Mohegan Sun Arena, uh, which is in a casino, is not close to an airport. Uh, <laughs> so I flew to Hartford on a flight at five twenty-five after Game Two. In the mo- wait, in the morning? Day. Yes. Oh man. Okay. That's a tough. Break. That's a tough yeah. wake-up call. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, well, I I just didn't go to sleep. I, I finished game. Went home, packed, uh, and uh, took care of some stuff, and then went straight to the airport. Um, got to Connecticut around five, I believe, because you can't fly. We didn't fly direct we flew oh. from Connecticut to Baltimore, <laughs> and then Baltimore to Hartford, and then probably got to Uncasville, uh, which is where the stadium is, by about six in the evening. And, uh, yeah, that was uh, the day before the game. Are you, if, if the TV people flew in the day of the game, which seems even worse. If you, if this goes five, are you going to make it back to Vegas in time for game five? My flight out <laughs> of Hartford is scheduled for five in the morning. Again? Morning. <laughs> yeah. So I, I got to make sure I get back. Uh Okay. You're now there. You have two full days before game four even tips off. What what city are you in? Uncasville? What is there to do in Uncasville, Connecticut? Um, pretty much just the casino. So <laughs> feels like Vegas. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I, there's uh, apparently a beach nearby, but I've got a lot of stories to write, so I, I don't know if I'm going to be getting out there. <sighs> All right. Um Enjoy Connecticut. This sounds like a nightmare. Uh, I almost feel sorry for you. Uh, but he's Andy Yamashita from the Review Journal, covering the Aces out there. Game four is on Sunday. Thanks, Andy. We appreciate Thanks, Andy. it. Be well. Thanks for having me, guys. What is that? No wonder the WNBA has so many travel issues.
One of their teams plays in a city that doesn't have an airport. But it has a casino. <laughs> You're telling me all of these teams have to fly to Connecticut where I'm guessing unless you're coming from Chicago, D.C. or New York, you're not getting a direct flight. So you got to fly, connect, then fly to Connecticut. Then do they bus from oh, they Hartford must bus. They for must bus. an hour to wherever the hell this Uncasville is? They must bus, yeah. They got to kick this team out of the league. <laughs> It goes what to are the we finals doing? almost They got to kick this team out. I don't care that they had last year's MVP. I don't care that they're good. They're always good. Kick them out of the league. Relocate them to a real city. Yeah, because what this league needs is another team to like collapse, and it's like, we've got 11 of the best teams <laughs> in the world. Move them to, to Boston doesn't have... Move them to Boston. There's an airport in that city, yeah. I'm pretty sure. That city would be really accepting of women's basketball. At least you can get there. I would just be excited to read the reports that, wow, the new slurs the Boston fan base has come up with. Who cheers for this team? Oh, they're pretty, uh, pretty uh, rabid last night with the uh, towel waving, and they, they've got fans. Yeah, where do they come from? Hartford. You're telling me people drive an hour from Hartford to go yeah. to go to the Connecticut Sun game? Well, I think it, it's one of those. Well, we were going to go to the casino anyway. We're going to watch the <laughs> WNBA team like we do every. <laughs> It's what we do every Thursday. <laughs> they plan their their casino trips around the WNBA schedule. I mean, <laughs> there was a time when I was more like Danny where I'd be like, yeah, there's a baseball game on that night. Let's go to the casino. Oh, Jesus. You're a nightmare. All right. We got tickets to give away. If you want to go see Alice Cooper with special guest Ace Freely on Saturday, October 8th at the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson, you can win a pair right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number eight at 702-364-1100. You'll win a pair of tickets to go see Alice Cooper and Ace Freely at the Dollar Loan Center. That's caller eight at 702-364-1100. I was at the line of scrimmage ready to go for it too. You know, I was calling a play and we were ready to go. But, you know, that's what, that's what we just, we decided and, and uh, we went with it, you know. And we, we missed by, I don't know, yard maybe um you know, maybe half a yard anytime you get the chance to try to you know win the game and, and and solidify it and try to make a play you know i always believe in having the ball you know and everything else but also we got a great kicker and we, we're going to believe in our kicker again all of the sun none of the fun on the press box summer edition all right we're gonna throw away sports journalism for a minute all right nobody in here is a sports journalist and instead we are gossiping about tom brady and giselle okay I mean, I know I don't have to tell you that, Jared. I have a degree in journalism, um, all audio right. production, but technically, I think it says journalism. Ed, are they getting divorced? Nah, nah, no. Look no. at that. No hot take. No. So no. You you guys told me this was it last week? You guys sort of alluded to some I don't know stories about them getting divorced. We've had a couple of other stories. CNN has one where Brady and Giselle are living separately. At the moment, uh, TMZ had some quotes from G- Giselle Bundchen about she has concerns over Tom Brady's unretirement. Uh, she said, I haven't had a Christmas in 23 years, and I haven't had a Thanksgiving in 23 years. I haven't celebrated birthdays with people that I care about that are born from August to late January, and I'm not able to be at funerals, and I'm not able to be at weddings. This is Brady saying this. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Did I this say Giselle? Brady, yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, this so, is Brady, so Brady. This. I think there comes a point in your life when you say, you know what? I've had my fill, and it's enough and time to go on and move to other parts of life. 
Okay. This man retired this year and unretired. What, I thought that's what the retirement was about. Right. What is it? He's complaining after he just came back? Retire again then, Tom. This is not his priority. He doesn't like his family. He's just saying these things <laughs> out loud. On. If he liked his family, he'd still be retired. He's itching, I mean, man. He's itching to get back. From what I read, which was on a gossip. That's what we're <laughs> here for, Yeah, Jared. like a gossip uh, column. They apparently have this fight about once every three years where Giselle goes, I'm leaving you. And he goes, can we just wait until the season's over? And when the season's over, she's like, I missed you. And he's like, yay. Wow. He does hate his family. I don't think he, I think he really. No, it's a family that only survives because he's gone for five months out of the year. You're saying this because you don't have kids. I'd hate them if I had them. (laughs) I honestly. Unbelievable. Like, honestly, I don't think you would. No, he wouldn't. I I think you would just unfortunately create mini use where your kid would be like playing T-ball and you're going, they're shifting. You need to. (laughs) Kid would be weird doing weird math things in kindergarten with like. DVOA and all this other stuff, and Tyler would be like, I'm so proud of this kid. My T-ball team would be shifting. Let's get it, get <laughs> it right. right first, Jared. Um, no, I would not want that one. No, no chance. I'm sure I would love okay. the kid because whatever. Humans are drawn to loving their offspring, but I would not like it. <laughs> so you'd love the kid, but you'd not like the... I would not like the scenario that I would be in of having to take care of a kid. Be a disaster. Man. I mean... That 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 it's does kind of greatest in the world, is it? Yes, yes, it is. Sounds like a it's greatest nightmare. in the world. No, no, no nightmare about it. My best friend just had a kid. Guess what he can't do? Go to Ole Miss football games this year because he's got a newborn. Nightmare. Stay, he still lives there, obviously. Yeah, he's he's the he's my friend that got on a plane when Ole Miss went to the College World Series final. Oh, and he went just like. To go from Jackson, Mississippi to Omaha, Nebraska. Not like there's direct This year flights. when they get to the final. Yeah, yeah. He just, he was like, yep, I'm going because. This is like getting to Connecticut. Yeah. You don't have a kid. You can just do whatever you want. Now he's got a newborn. Can't do it. Can't go to home games? I think they're going to like one or two this year. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you can still go you can to still stuff. Go to a home game. Can't have, go to all of them. Have the uh, grandparents do the babysitting. Yeah, but you can't do that every weekend. Right. Then you're just but, a bad parent. Uh, okay, but also, if you're still doing that every weekend when you're in your late 20s, you're no longer a fan. You're just an alcoholic. <laughs> you're like, yeah, we're going to go get drunk <laughs> in a parking lot. Why? Football? Hey, it's a grass field at Ole Miss, not a parking lot. Oh. It's, a, it's a beautiful campus with trees and grass. By the way, I hate that, too. People who think trees and grass are pretty. <laughs> That I actually, that I hold on hold on that th- I'm on his side on that one. So okay, if you like things trees that, suck, things that Ole Miss are known for, racism one, but like tailgating outside of games, sororities and fraternities and whatever else, and a pretty and campus. more racism. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, the campus is so pretty there, and it's because it's got like two fields of grass with trees in it, and I'm like, who cares? What are the? Uh, I can only imagine the stately estates that are the fraternity houses. Am I wrong? Yeah, they're, they're just big buildings. I'm, um, but I bet if you go back through their history, you're going to go, well, a lot of problematic people uh, attended this particular oh. fraternity. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, they're they're fine. Nothing wrong with them. 
So they're not what you see in movies where you go to the south, the fraternity houses are like mansions, like beautiful, like white columns. They're not like, no, they're not like beautiful. Like they're, they're big. Right. But they're not like, wow, this is so well taken care of. You're like, okay, that looks like a bunch of 20 year old guys. And one woman (laughs) have been drinking a lot there and tearing it apart. Yeah. They're not the nicest things Uh, in the world. So you have you decided that Tom Brady's getting a divorce? Not to bring the topic back, but have we like decided as a group? No, of, uh, I'm gossip? saying no. I don't know if they're going to get a divorce, but they should. Everything I've this is a loveless marriage. Jesus Christ, Come man! On, man, have they, you seen are these beyond the hot takes that are real hot takes? Jared just told me that. Giselle gets mad because he plays football three that every we three don't years. No, yet. And then she's like, oh, I missed you because he finally ends the football season. She doesn't like being around him. Okay, but he literally every time somehow saves his marriage by getting eliminated in the playoffs? Or just, you know, winning the Super Bowl or the one time that he had to both throw and catch the ball. We've got their living separately. Giselle having concerns about him unretiring, Brady complaining about not going to Christmas. Who cares? Like, they don't like each other. I thought we were going to talk about the coach who doesn't shower. No, we can do that <laughs> next. I wanted to talk about Russell Wilson doing TikTok challenges and just, dear God, is, man, he's is, such a dork. Is, I was going to say, is he the lamest quarterback in the NFL? Yeah. Like, everything I see him do, I'm like, oh, that's that's just kind of gross. He doesn't come off as cool. 